Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Did you know that over 95% of all businesses fail within the first 10 years? By listening in to what Bob's guests have to say, plus direction from Bob Pritchard himself, it's our intention that you won't be among those statistics. Now, here's your host, Bob Pritchard. Hello, world. Welcome to the 410th edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. We're coming to you on Voice America Business Channel, broadcasting across the world in this, our ninth year from our studio on Hollywood Boulevard in the Hollywood Hills in Los Angeles, California. This is the place where entertainment and technology intersect. So if you live in North America, I hope you've had a terrific Labor Day long weekend. The weather in Los Angeles has been absolutely magnificent. And the good news is if you're on the East Coast, it looks like Florida's been spared the worst of the catastrophic Category 5 hurricane that's been terrorising a lot of the islands outside of Florida. Now, are you concerned about robots, AI and machine learning taking your job? Now, there's already AI software telling staff what to do. Cogito is an artificial intelligence program designed to help customer service workers communicate more clearly, emphasise with frustrated callers and improve overall performance. Now, Cogito this time last year had 45 staff and this year has 150, so it's growing rapidly. Now, what Cogito does is listen to the tone, the pitch, the word frequency, and lots of other factors in customer service conversations. It looks for something that go, that's going wrong, like an irritated customer, a call center agent taking too long to respond, or if somebody sounds bored, tired, maybe irritated, rushed, perhaps thoroughly unpleasant, <laughs> It displays a notification on the agent's computer screen telling them the issue and telling them to slow down or speed up or stop talking or start talking or relate to the customer or perhaps even sound more sympathetic. In other words, it listens to the customer and tells you how to react to um, better communicate. Now, for anyone who's spent hours of their lives stuck on the phone with a, an unhelpful or a downright rude customer service agent, happens all the time, particularly with telcos, Cogito might sound like a, sounds like a godsend, doesn't it? Telling these people to smarten their act. But Cogito is indicative of a far bigger and more unsettling trend that extends well beyond call centres. Artificial intelligence, once seen as a tool largely under our control, is suddenly not really under our control. It's now telling us what to do. And in 2007, Alex Pentland co-founded Cogito with a former consultant and software developer who attended Pentland's courses while at MIT Business School. 
They received government funding to experiment with voice analysis software, but it was designed to diagnose mental illness in veterans. But it soon became apparent to Alex that there were other commercial potential uses in AI software that could determine a speaker's state of mind by analysing their voice. So Kogito was born and focused on developing software for business. At MetLife, which is a huge life insurance company, where Kogito has been rolled out to 10 US call centres over the past year, managers say that the program improved first call resolution metrics by 3.5% and customer satisfaction by 13%. When you think of the numbers, that's a hell of a lot. And helped agents who take an average of 700 calls a week each to have more human conversations. It also significantly reduces call time. Now, the program's tracking features aren't meant for punishing call centre workers, but if you think about it, they really could. Amazon's got a shipping centre system that tracks productivity, and it automatically fires workers if they fall below certain targets. There's no manager involved. The system simply fires you. Cogito allows intensive surveillance of workers. It listens to every word the worker is saying in 700 calls a week. And uh, it's a kind of justification for potentially firing or disciplining workers, depending on the assessment of a machine that neither the worker nor the manager is able to contest or validate. So Cogito can simply turn around and say, You're a lousy communicator. You've pissed off 150 people this week. You're fired. And as AI software becomes increasingly advanced, it could make it harder for many to get a job in the first place. It analyzes the interview, decides whether it likes you or not, and bingo, you're either here or you're gone. Now, AI is on track to displace as many as hundreds of millions of workers over the next couple of decades. Hundreds of millions of workers. Wow. Now, so if AI can coach the way we speak, how much more of our lives may soon be shaped by AI? And what do we really understand about the way that influence works? In the case of Cogito, Spending eight hours a day, five days a week under AI direction has effects beyond how someone speaks at work. For example, people who have been using Cogito begin to speak more directly in private conversations. So in their private conversations, they take home what they're being told by AI at work. And if AI monitoring and direction becomes more sophisticated and widespread, we may find ourselves communicating in a totally different way. It could be a good thing. could also be a bad thing. Now, techno-philosophers predict we will soon become part of what is called AI 
ohm or an extended web of external AI processes that will feed us information and come to define our identities. Such a prediction generates some tough questions. Will companies like Google and Facebook, who already have massive power over what billions see on the internet, be able to control even more of our everyday behaviour, even offline? So you're going to have AI telling you how to speak. It's a bit rich. Now, do you get my daily 30-second read business newsletter? We now have about 1.7 million daily readers. It takes just 30 seconds, well, sometimes a minute, sometimes a minute and a half, and every day we tackle a different subject from advances in medicine to new apps to new technology to subjects like Hyperloop and autonomous cars and blockchain and lots of other stuff. In tomorrow's newsletter, we discuss a new treatment that removes all metastatic breast cancer tumours. T-cells extracted from a tumour are expanded and then reintroduced into the body. And this has resulted in the disappearance of tumours in a woman with metastatic breast cancer. And you can read all about it in tomorrow's newsletter. So to subscribe to the newsletter, you simply go to my website, bobpritchard.com, and subscribe. You can trust the Bob Pritchard newsletter. Now, I don't know about you, but I really look forward to the Olympics. I love watching the Olympics. I love the competition. And next year, the Olympics are in Tokyo, commencing on July 24th, 2020. So scratch out in your calendar from the 24th for the next three weeks. This will be a really technological and environmental Olympics. The Japanese Olympic Committee has invested $13 billion in the last two years, and the Olympics expects to attract 11 million visitors next year to watch 11,090 athletes compete in 33 sports over 21 days. Seven sports competitions will be held in five cities outside Tokyo. They'll be in Sapporo, Sendai, Kashima, Saltama, and Yokohama. And all competitions will be in 42 locations, which are mainly in metropolitan and commercial areas, and, of course, in Tokyo Bay. There'll be 339 disciplines, including a bunch of new events, which I'm not so sure about. Three-by-three basketball, mixed doubles in table tennis. Yeah, that might be pretty good. Relays in triathlon, track and field. Karate. Skateboarding. hmm, Climbing. Climbing. Baseball, softball and surfing. They're all new sports in the Olympics from next year. Now, while seven of the venues were used in the 64 Olympics, 24 venues are ready, 10 will be temporary, and eight are finalising construction. The new Tokyo Olympic Stadium has got a capacity for 80,000 spectators. Now, this is where the technology comes in. All Olympic medals are fabricated with recycled metal taken from cell phones and computers. They're using 4,100 kilograms of silver, 2,700 kilograms of bronze, and 30 kilograms of gold, 
all taken from cell phones, computers, and tablets. Pretty cool, eh? And the metal podiums are manufactured from 45 tonnes of recycled plastic recovered from the ocean. And the Japanese athletes' garments are also made with recycled materials. And here in the good old USA, our government doesn't even think that the world's polluted. We don't need to do anything about that. We don't need to recycle. We don't need to do any of that stuff. Let the rest of the world do it. Now, the games will show off new technology and innovation. Robots are going to help guests carry their meals and drinks and escort them to their seats. That's pretty cool. The official cars that will transport athletes, teams, organising committee members and guests will be autonomous and powered by hydrogen. And over 300,000 athletes, staff, journalists and guests will use facial recognition to identify them in less than three-tenths of a second and accelerate their access to stadiums, gyms and other locations. The Olympic Stadium, with a capacity of 8,000 people, will be powered by hydrogen with absolutely no CO2 emissions. That's fantastic. And the best way to get around Tokyo is on the highly efficient subway system, and it's got 760 stations. All Olympic venues inside and outside Tokyo connect to the city's transport system, And guests will be able to buy a smart card for using on trains, subways, buses, an evening, (laughs) evening, and even opening your hotel room doors. It'll also work with autonomous taxis. And train and metro tickets range from just $1.30 to $17.89, the most expensive ticket. That's pretty good. Now, the first phase of ticket sales for Japanese residents sold 3.2 million tickets, and they're sold. And event ticket prices range between 18 bucks and $2,764. Wow. And more than half the tickets will cost around 74 bucks. The $2,764 tickets are for the opening ceremony. And the rumour is that the Olympic flame is going to be lit by a flying taxi, which would be very cool. And the cheapest tickets are for the marathon, hockey and soccer. Let me tell you something I bet you don't know. Did you know that soccer sells more than 50% of all tickets at the Olympics? If you took soccer out of the Olympics, the Olympics would be financially screwed. Interesting, huh? International ticket sales are not going to commence until June 2020. However, you can get tickets from some authorised vendors. People attending from Latin America, North America and the Caribbean must complete an application form. Now, the 2020 Paralympics will feature 4,400 athletes in 22 sports in 200 events. Taekwondo and badminton will appear for the first time at the Paralympic competition. Now, having done business and staged events in Japan myself, I'm absolutely positive that the Olympics in Tokyo will be fabulously run. 
They are so good at doing this stuff. Now, my guest today is Kent Christensen, who's the CEO and founder of Messenger Bank, which is the first cryptocurrency that is backed by a bank. And I'm speaking to Kent in Ireland. This is Bob Pritchard, and I'll be back with my guest, Kesh Christensen, in just a moment. Do you want your business to achieve results you never thought possible? Bob Pritchard is recognized as the business leader's advisor and has 30 years of experience as a straight-talking troubleshooter for Fortune 500 companies and SMEs across the world. Whether you need a checkup across all departments of your business or simply want to improve marketing, advertising, performance measurement, or some other area, Bob Pritchard will work his magic so you can blow away your competition. Bob Pritchard is also one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Over 1,500 clients on five continents and countless standing ovations are a testament to how he changes the fortunes of business. Pick up Bob's new book, Kick-Ass Business and Marketing Secrets, at your nearest bookstore or visit Bob's website at www.bobpritchard.com. Remember, if you want to be successful, call Bob Pritchard now. Worldwide phone numbers and more information can be found at bobpritchard.com. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, and welcome to the segment of the show where we interview successful entrepreneurs from all over the world. We also talk to other specialists, people that play a role in solving the issues faced by entrepreneurs along their way to success. The reality is, the latest figures show that 98% of all startups fail. So what we want to do is talk to the 2% that succeed so we can give you some clues about mistakes you don't want to make along the way. We talk about things that hopefully can help us all become more successful. In these discussions, we try to find out what it is that these successful people do, what they do that less successful people don't do, and what makes them tick. What is it that drives them? What is it that gives them that edge? So then we can learn from the things that make them successful and we can uh, learn how to address the challenges that we all face when we are building a business. My guest today is Kent Christensen, who's the CEO and founder of Messenger Bank, which I believe is the first cryptocurrency that's backed by a bank. And I am speaking to Kent right across the world. I think he's in Norway, but we can talk about that in a second. And he's spent the last 15 years working with Club World Connect. He contributes with strategic planning and overview to cryptocurrency and banking industry. Kent has over 30 years experience in finance and banking, which he uses to steer Messenger Bank. Kent's always believed that blockchain technology is a potential to disrupt the world economy. 
Well, we know that. We've listened in the last few weeks. We've heard about some of the incredible things that blockchain is enabling to happen. And uh, it's it's really starting to escalate. When we started talking about um, blockchain maybe five or six years ago, um, it was a fledgling somewhere in the distant future, maybe technology. Now it is um, being adopted by banks and, and uh, stock, bro- stock exchanges and stockbrokers and real estate companies and charity organisations right across the world. So Kent wants to empower people to exchange value globally, instantly and at the low, lowest possible cost. And we all know that blockchain does exactly that. And uh, I think the other, the other point is it's transparent. That's one of the great things about um, blockchain is that it is totally transparent. And with this vision in mind, Kent's introducing a completely new blockchain banking experience. His team at Messenger come from a background of banking, finance and fintech. They're united in their passion to revolutionise the way people use money. And most of the Messenger team have lived or worked across many different countries, speak multiple languages and have a very successful track records working at top global companies. So that's the background to it. Hi, Kent. Welcome to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show and Voice America Business Channel. You are being heard right around the world. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me. Where are you? Um, I am actually in Spain. I am from Denmark, but I am located in Spain this week. Uh, And I'm going to Malta next week, which is like the hottest blockchain island in the world right now. I'm going to meet the the government and the national bank and everybody else. We want to set up head offices there. Right. One of the reasons why I succeed is really simple. I work hard. When That's you come to my office in the morning at five o'clock, there's light in the office. Right. When you are going out to dance at night or for dinner at 10 o'clock, there's light in the office. So that's one of the reasons that you succeed is being um, determined. And, you know, it's not work because it's only work if you want to be somewhere else. Yeah, that's right. So if you, if you, if you love what you do, it's not really that difficult. Um, we started Club World Connect, as you said in the beginning, many, many years ago, because we were in the construction business and finances, and all the immigrants had a hard time sending money home with Western Union. Sure. And I was like, I and felt sorry ex- for them. You know, and it's expensive. they spent like a hundred bucks. Yeah, they spent a hundred bucks. They spent like 10% of their salary to send money home to the people in Colombia, Venezuela, sure. Brazil, Russia, Cuba, wherever it was, China. So we started a very simple system uh, where you used your old Nokia mobile phone with an SMS system. You got a card, your mother got a card, your sister got a card, or your father, or whomever, or your wife, so that when you got your salary, we put that on your card, and you send a text. Please put on my sister's card, my mom's card, my father's card, a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks, pay my rent, and keep the rest for me. Right. And that was an amazing success. 
it went from our cooperation to the next cooperation to the next cooperation, and boom, we issued 12 million cards. People was using it in 63 countries. Everybody went crazy. And then a bank in America was told, maybe from, let's say, Western Union, but it's not important, one of the big remittance companies, yep. the bank was told, uh, go buy that. We don't need that. That's too simple. And they came to me and uh, we negotiated and uh, gave me a check on $863 million. Right. And I decided to not work for five years because that's what I signed. You know, these Americans, yeah. they have like yeah. 700 paid contracts. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, in the meantime, I sold this in 2009. Right. And then in the meantime, crypto started to become, you know, more and more known and things like and I started to get interested in blockchain I mean really really interested so I started to study I had all the time in the world you know you cannot play golf from <laughs> 6 in the morning to 10 at night so I started to study blockchain and uh, putting a team together and when it was the time for me to start to work again now we're talking 2015 I gave it an another seven months just to be on the safe side, because sure. these Americans can beat you with a lawsuit in five minutes. Yeah, and so then we started slowly to we started slowly to build what we call messenger bank today. Why is it messenger bank? Because it, it's a messenger. We we send coins from A to B. Right. We use the utility coin as as an Uber taxi. Right. It's just it's just a message. So it's not swift, it's not uh, safer, it's not all these fancy things that the banks are using. We just sent the coins from one wallet to another wallet, and then this wallet will exchange the coins for any fiat currency in their country, and they have the money. Right. They can do that with our, our debit card that we can issue to them, or we can add the money on their bank account. If they have put that info into the system, then we can just ship the money right to the bank account. That will take like two hours or four hours. Right. And it costs practically nothing. It costs like, we're talking, we're talking less than 0 0.01%. Right. That's great. So, yeah. It, yeah, it's good. So that's, uh, we are opening a big exchange later. We have some security issues and we don't want to have a lot of trouble like sure. you know, Binance and Coinbase and that. So, so we spend a little bit more time on our stuff. We try to make it uh, really solid. Right. And when we have the exchange up and running, then we will add a hundred cryptocurrencies so that people can use any cryptocurrency they want, not only our token. We are not, um, we are not afraid of the market. We are not afraid of competition. We want to help anybody. There's room for everybody. If we have to make bank accounts and cards for 2.3 billion unbankables, right. I would like another 10 or 20 or 30 companies to help me. Well, it's certainly a so no problem. It's certainly a space where there's getting a lot more competition in that uh, in the unbanked um, section of the market. Um, here we've got companies like Ulala who are um, uh, doing setting up bank accounts and, and wallets for um, the underbanked. And just in the United States alone, the Hispanic market un, unbanked people 
no no bank accounts no credit cards it's 2.3 trillion dollars i mean it is a massive market that's just in the us forgetting the rest of the world and uh 2.3 trillion is a, a lot of hooch now that is you're the first also sorry go also on. messenger bank we, we are the we are the first uh, real cryptocurrency blockchain uh, bank and messenger bank's mission is to bridge the gap between digital and fiat currencies by providing a decentralized blockchain enabled mobile banking solution that is easy to use accessible non-discriminatory uh, and unlike many blockchain services, Messenger Bank enabled to mass adoption of cryptocurrencies. And that's why we are not afraid of everybody is invited to come and work with us. I say that everywhere I speak around the world, I, the first thing I say, look, blockchain and cryptocurrencies, there is no experts. We are all in grade one. We are all in kindergarten. Yeah. And I said that last year in Dubai, and I said to them, come and play with me in the sandbox. Right. You know, because that's what it is. We, we all have to help one another. If yeah. we want to be successful, don't be protective with your own company. Go out, spread it out. Tell everybody what you do. Let them copy and paste you. No problem. Because the way to go to mass is that it comes from all directions at the same time. I agree. And, and it's such a massive market. You know, you, you, I know a lot of companies now that are paying international bills um, with crypto where, you know, a year ago or two years ago, they would have gone through all the bullshit that the banks make you go through to wire fiat. Uh, and now they just use crypto and it's um, it works out really well at the moment. For, of course, you can't trace it. So <laughs> that's a good start. Let me... Let me tell you a little story about that. The way I see the the cryptocurrencies and the blockchain is like um, 3,000 years ago, they yep. started the Silk Road. Remember that? I remember. On the Silk Road, on the Silk Road they invited in the end uh, Christians and uh, Muslims and Jews and Asians and Buddhists. Everybody was trading on the Silk Road. Yep. And then you had the pirates. The pirates were there too. Yep. In cryptocurrencies, you have, but it's not a very big amount. It's not really a big percentage. But in reality, of course, do you think a drug dealer is stupid? Of course, he will transfer his two million uh, dirty money or weapons deal or whatever. They will transfer or try to transfer that cross-border and, and get the money away. Absolutely. Yeah. But with Messenger Bank, we do... KYC, AML, I mean, we are bank, we have the experience, right? We also have right. the experience from when we had the Club World Connect. So there's no way that you can get through our filters. There's no way you can pretend to be a good guy and then be a bad guy. Because we can see it. There will be flag raised. And um, I know that blockchain is decentralized and we have to keep it that way. It's a non-trust system, which is really great. But if we see somebody that attempts that, we block their IP address, we take their email and their phone numbers, and in our database, it's put in as a blacklist, and anybody who accesses that database, let's say some 
government uh, departments, right. they can use it if they want. I mean, that's a, it's a free that's, world, right? Yeah, yeah. I we agree. are not like reporting any. We don't report anybody in principle, but uh, on the other hand, we don't protect anybody in principle. Right. So. I understand you're the first cryptocurrency that's backed by a bank. First of all, what does that mean in re in reality, and how did it come about? Well, it came about because of um, Club World Connect, the way that we did the, the debit cards and the SMS and everything else. So, Messenger Bank, <clears throat> the coin itself, it's not backed by anything except the ecosystem that is sure. created around it. Yep. So there is no difference between a Bitcoin, a Messenger Bank coin, an Ethereum coin, uh, a Ripple coin. A Ripple is a good competitor. We are just 20 times faster than any one of them. We are 20 times faster than Visa. We are 20 times faster than Ripple. And we are proud of that. We are right. really proud of that. But our coin as such is not backed by anything than the ecosystem. Right. In the ecosystem, anytime we sell some coins, we put 50% into the reserve bank to protect our coin. Well, that's because we think like bankers, right? We don't want our clients to cry. So we try to keep the coin as stable as possible at any given time because for us, it's not a matter of uh, get, getting volatility in the coin and the price, no. For us, it's a matter of having a very stable product that the user know. Next month, I need a thousand coins. I have to do this, this, and that, or I need three hundred coins, or whatever you need. So, our purpose and why we are doing all this basically for free is that this is our way to get all our coins distributed. There's ten billion of them, so we will create a market cap in two, three years from now on two hundred and fifty billion. That's the business plan. So right. we will be extremely successful. Right. And everybody is happy. I guess that's not a bad deal. No, that's good. The, the, so, so, the, so the funds in that bank, because the market cap is so big and because we, we keep 50% uh, in the reserve bank and the rest is development and profits and whatever it is. Yeah. Because of that, the company will be very, very strong for the next generation or two. Uh, it's not a matter of me taking all that money out and putting it in my own private little bank somewhere. No, it's not about that. It's about helping. Let's say we can do 200 million of the 2.3 billion people without a bank account yep. and some other people around the world who wants to use our mobile payment system and anything else coming up. If we can have 200 million users and we can get a market cap on 250 billion, that's my mission. And when I, when I have that, if I got with the whole group behind me, if we got 10% of that money out, we are more than happy. The rest will be used for very generous projects around the world and to keep the coin very liquid right. because it's about liquidity on the exchanges. Yep. To survive in the crypto market, 2,700 coins or 2,500 coins and 98% of them is, um, I don't know what some of these other colleagues of mine are calling them, 
um, but in German it's a scheiße. And we don't want that. We want to have a liquid coin. We want to have not the highest traded coin in the world. Let Bitcoin take that role. No problem. Let Ethereum be the coin that can create all these little ECR20 coins and anything else. You know, everybody has their own business plan. The only thing we want is to help unbankable through blockchain, not so much through coins, through blockchain. Right. And through cards and bank accounts, real bank accounts. Because you need, you need to bridge the gap between digital and fiat currencies. That's the whole secret. Nobody in the crypto business really thought about it that way. We did, and we came a long way. We are the fastest today, and uh, we are not so known because we spend all our resources on building the thing, not uh, going out in market. We never made an ICO. We never did any of all that. Right. We just want to go out nice and quietly and start our business and help people. <laughs> how long how long do you think um, fiat currency is going to be um, the predominant way that we exchange money or in the world do you think do you think that fiat's here forever or you, I'm one of those people that believe it's got a very short life from here maybe maybe 10 years what do you think no I don't believe that no I believe <clears throat> that there's so many conservative people and I believe that the fiat currencies have a reason to stay here also. I think that we will coexist and I think in 20 years from now the fiat currency will be 30-40% and the cryptocurrencies will be 60% which is like digital payments or a little bit like if you look at the internet today where is people using their, their credit cards and debit cards Let's say that the way that you use debit cards and credit cards today online, contra, shops, physical, POS, right? Yeah. So these numbers, these numbers will always more or less be the same. A little bit in the advantage of the cryptocurrencies, but um, uh, in the end of the day, I'm a banker and I, I see things in a very real perspective. I know a lot of my colleagues, they are like, really into crypto and everything is crypto and and they hate fiat and they come with all kind of explanations that a national bank they do it for their own benefit blah 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 but in reality it's not really like that it is a mission to bridge the gap between digital and fiat currencies i cannot say that too many times because it's a reality the reality is that we need real cash we need cryptocurrencies and we need real cash People, though, hate banks. I know it might not be worldwide, but I know in Australia, people hate banks. In America, people hate banks. And people object to taking, I take $100,000 down to my bank and they say, ah, we'll put it in the bank and we'll give you half a percent interest on it. So I go home and the next day I want to buy a car. So I go down to the bank and I say, hey, I want to borrow some of that hundred grand I just gave you and they say sure we'll lend it back to you at eight percent um, people are fed up with that and because crypto's got such a small transaction cost surely people are uh, sooner or later going to say fuck the banks we're not going to deal with the banks and, and the banks can't compete let's talk about lending they can't compete with the 
fintech lenders. Just can't. Um, they can't compete with um, um, the costs that crypto can provide. So how are they going to survive when people hate them for a start and they're bloody expensive as hell for a second? I agree with you. hundred percent. You're hundred percent right. But um, think it in a little bit different way. The people you're talking about, they are all independent. They have their own job and everything is fine. hundred percent they will adopt to the cheap solution, the fast solution. They will adopt to, um, let's say in five years' time, I should change my, my messenger bank to just messenger. Yes, take the bank name out of it. Yep. But what I'm trying to say is all these guys, all the independents and all of these guys will do it exactly like you say. I cannot agree more. But governments, government employees, unemployed, people on wealth, welfare, whatever you call it, pensions, it will take a long time to get these uh, big, colossal monsters to change their ideas. I was talking to a company, I interviewed a company a few weeks ago, where they are working with governments to distribute um, entitlements, pensions and all that sort of stuff, and they're doing it through the blockchain and um, not through traditional banks. And that's already happening around the world. And I think if you look back 20 years ago, people said, you know, the internet's all very good, but it's far too complicated for the average person. The average person will never use the internet. Well, guess what? 20 years later... Okay. I think that the mass adoption will take the next decade. I think that it's slow to get it all mass adopted, but when it gets there, then it will be fast. And I agree with you, in 20 years' time from now, the world will look very, very, very different. Yeah. Hard to say exactly how, but um, I guess that blockchain and uh, cryptocurrencies will be the dominant in the banking sector, finance sector, insurance sector, shipping, like containers oh. ship around the world, uh, Maersk, which is a big shipping company yep. in Denmark, yep. they have put all the insurances on, on blockchain. So. Yeah, yeah, it's, ha- it, it's certainly happening. Now, your crypto comes with a, well, your, the messenger bank comes with a debit card. Um, you just need that for day-to-day transactions when somebody... So you, you transfer the money from um, the sender's wallet to the receiver's wallet, which is connected to the debit card, so they can just use the card anywhere, right? Is that how it works? That's how it works. It's a Club World Connect. That's steroids. I mean, it's the, the same system, uh, very simple and very easy to use. And that's why we did it that way. We, we want simple, sustainable solutions. So it's interesting. You've self-funded this whole project. Um, so why did you make the decision to do that and not raise outside, not do an ICO or whatever to raise outside funds? I um, thought about that uh, to raise an ICO, but then again, we are bankers, and uh, my my twelve best friends are attorneys, and they said this market is not regulated. Don't go out with an ICO. You think it's a utility coin? If you make an ICO, it's a security. Then yes. you can't sell it there. You can't do this. You can't do that. 
So I said, well, I got a lot of money from my first company. Why can't I use a chunk of that to create the next one? Right. And well, yeah. don't go out and ask people for five bucks, right? Right. <laughs> Would you, um, will you have enough money to sustain the growth, rapid growth of this worldwide? Um, if I don't have, let's say I, I burn $400 million the next two years, uh, I will at that point be so successful that <laughs> another couple of bankers wants to come in and join. Sure. I don't sure. think that's a, I don't think that the success will kill me. Yeah. I think I'll manage that. I, I, I'm a pretty good businessman, so I will find a way to sustain that too. But I guess I have enough money to, to carry it through. Yeah. I guess the worst comes to worst, you just sell some of those Lamborghinis. I don't drive uh, Lamborghinis. Uh, I'm a very, I'm a really simple guy. I'm from Denmark. Uh, I like, uh, you know, fishing. Uh, I drive ordinary cars. Uh, I don't, um, I don't play the fancy lifestyle. I'm 50 years, 58 years old. I, my life is about family. It's about having a good time. It's about working hard. So the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and all the young girls, that's for my son. He's 32. So let him play with that. And I'm, I'm playing with my spouse and uh, my Volvo. <laughs> it can't be more boring than that. <laughs> you, you started out the construction industry. So how did you go from construction to banking? Were you in the financing side of construction or what is it that, I was in I was in real construction, uh, but I realized quickly that the construction business is an optimist with a hard cap and rubber boots, yep. and he always need money. Yep. So I was looking at that, and I was thinking, okay, if I throw the boots away and the cap, and I just start to lend the money to do all these great ideas. I might make something too. And not only one project, I can do 100 projects a week Right. that way. So that's, that's the, I realized that very fast, that the construction is really hard work and you have to be incredibly successful and you can have all kind of uh, things going the wrong way. Right. Uh, so where does, where does Messenger Bank go from here? What's your ultimate vision for Messenger Bank? Our next step is that we open our exchange and after that we want to build a mobile payment app so that everybody who uses Messenger Bank can also use it anywhere in the world where you can use mobile pay. Right. And I'm not going to build POS systems. I'm not going to do all that. I'm going to integrate it with all the existing mobile payment platforms like Sure. Apple Pay and Samsung Pay and uh, Danske Bank Pay and anybody who have a mobile payment system that we can integrate to yep. uh, can be Union Pay in China. That way, we don't spend a lot of money on developing this and our clients have one app with mobile pay globally, which they wouldn't have if they only had Apple Pay or another uh, payment system. So that's our next big step after the exchange is up and running. 
And that will be sometime late 2019. Um, because I believe that, that Messenger Bank needs to have a debit card, a mobile payment platform, an exchange platform for all your cryptocurrencies because you build your own little portfolio in Messenger Bank. So if you like 10 cryptocurrencies, you have them yourself. You sell them, you trade them, you do atomic swaps inside the uh, uh, Messenger Bank exchange, and that doesn't cost you anything. As long as you're in crypto, you can swap on my system with buy-sell orders yeah. for free as long as you want. We, we just want to help people so that they, it makes life easier for them. So, what's the biggest challenge you've faced in getting Messenger Bank to where it is now? Uh, can you repeat that? I what's, that was a bad line there for a second. What's the biggest challenge that you've had getting Messenger Bank to where it is now? Security. Security issues on the blockchain, security issues on the exchange, security, security, security. Look at Binance and Coinbase and everybody yeah. else, Japanese exchanges. I mean, that's a nightmare. So for us, it's all about security. Again, we are banks, so we have to be careful. We don't want anybody to hack us and take our clients' money. So we have uh, some really great inventions. Uh, one of the things is um, our wallet. When you sign in on Messenger Bank, you get a wallet, you get some coins, you get some Ethereum or whatever you want. You don't have the private key. We don't give that to you. We keep it right. in an offline server. That way, you can't get hacked. Your wallet is safe. And as long as you can remember your password and your login, not even your login, just your password and your email, Right. If you have your email, you don't lose anything. And uh, the problem with the apps where they have the private keys on their cell phone can cause problems in the end. Uh, we will have the uh, key private keys on the cell phones when our exchange is fully open and fully secure. But on, until that time, we keep the private keys for people. Yeah, that's good. Kent? Thank you very much for being on the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on Voice America Business. Now, if you'd like to know more about Kent and Messenger Bank, go to messengerbank.io. That's messengerbank.io. Have a look. I think it's a. I think it's a great initiative. Kent's obviously very smart. It's doing very well. And uh, so, have a look. You're listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show on the Voice America Business Channel Network. And I'll be back with you after this short break. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. To connect with Bob, please send an email to bob at bobpritchard.com. That's bob at bobpritchard.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the 410th of Pritchard Straight Talking, absolutely no bullshit business radio show on Voice America Business Network. And we're broadcasting today from Hollywood Boulevard in the entertainment and technology capital of the world, Los Angeles, California. Now, 
I guess we all realize that death is inevitable. The trick is knowing when it's going to come. That's pretty hard to predict usually. Now, scientists have been trying to develop a test that could reliably and easily predict how long a person will live, or more technically, how healthy they are and therefore how vulnerable they might be to major mortality risk factors. Blood tests are the most likely avenue for such a test, since it's easy to obtain blood samples and labs equipped to handle them are common. So the latest effort is described in a new paper published in Nature Communications. The research reports that in a group of more than 44,000 healthy people, their blood test was about 80% accurate in predicting when they were going to die. How about that? The patients who ranged in age from 18 to 109 provided blood samples. It would be pretty hard to... 109-year-old one, it'd be pretty easy to predict when they were going to die, wouldn't you? You don't have to look at them. (laughs) But the person who's 18, that might be a bit more tricky. All these people provided blood samples and had their health events tracked for up to 16 years. The researchers analysed a group of 226 so-called metabolites or byproducts of things that various cells and tissues in the body pour into the bloodstream for circulation and removal. From this collection of markers, the team narrowed down the list of 14 that they determined could together, and along with the person's sex, provide a pretty good picture of each person's health risk, and by association, their risk of dying in the next five or so years. Now, they accomplished this by comparing those who died during the study (laughs) to those who did not and isolating which agents in their blood differed to statistically significant amount. So the link between the final 14 factors and mortality remains strong, even after scientists accounted for potential confounding factors that also affect survival, such as age, sex and cause of death. I guess that getting hit by a bus probably doesn't count, does it? That's a bit hard to catch with a blood test. Um, They stress that in the test, it's not ready yet for doctors to use in the clinic with their patients, but that it does establish a foundation for a test in the near future. An eventual test could be most useful at first in assessing older patients and guiding treatment decisions since the 14 metabolites represent a range of processes, including the breakdown of fat and glucose, inflammation and fluid balance in the body that impact a range of chronic ailments, as well as a person's inability to recover from illness or injury. So you go in, you take a blood test, they analyse it, and you're 62, and they come back and say, you're only going to live for five more years or four more years. I wonder how many of us would be lining up to get the blood test. Would you? I don't think I would. I don't, I don't know. I don't think most people would. Now, researchers at Leiden University are currently studying the test to see if it can help doctors predict which patients with hip fractures, for example, are more likely to develop complications during their recovery after surgery. 
Another study is looking at whether the test can predict which people with kidney failure are more likely to develop dementia or side effects like delirium as a result of their treatment. Blimey. (laughs) This information could help doctors to better adjust dosage and treatment decisions. The research is also planning to work with large data banks around the world to further validate the findings. So if you want to know when you're going to die, you can go and get a blood test, just a prick on the finger, and they'll tell you how long you got left. I think that's a bit scary. Now remember, if you're not living on the edge, you're taking up too much space, get out of the way and let somebody who wants to succeed get by you. Don't be an impediment to other people because you're a lazy bastard. It's easier and it's much more rewarding to do the impossible than it is to do the ordinary. You know, anybody can do the ordinary. You walk down the street, you pass 100,000 people, every one of them is ordinary. The ones that stand out are doing something interesting. So if you're always trying to be normal, you'll always be boring. You'll never know just how amazing you can be if you really push the envelope. Haven't you heard the old saying? You bite off more than you can chew and you chew like hell. And you know what? If you do that, 99 times out of 100, you'll succeed. In the meanwhile, have a great week. Continue to be successful because the alternative to success really sucks. This is Bob Pritchard broadcasting today from my hometown of Los Angeles, California, where the weather is always magnificent and where technology meets entertainment. See you next week. You've been listening to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show. Please join us again next Tuesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until then, enjoy another week of success in your business and your life.